Welcome to Mormons on Mushrooms. In this podcast, we discuss alternative methods for healing from trauma and seeking a fulfilling life. We often discuss triggering topics. We ask that you make your personal mental health a priority. In addition, the opinions offered by our guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the hosts of this podcast. If you'd like to support the program, please visit www.patreon.com forward slash Mormons on Mushrooms. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Tried doing that. Every time I try making wearing headphones, I can't. Like I can hear myself talking and I can also hear myself talking and I get confused because then I start listening to myself and I get caught up listening to what I've said and forget that I'm actually still speaking. So, you know, kudos to you, Steve, for wearing, wearing headphones. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad we started there. This is great. <laughs> well, Steve, in true fashion, I hit record, but like, I think we wanted to kind of just like, cause thanks for sending the list in advance. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And so Shalise kind of sent us some thoughts this morning on where we think we could kind of hone in a little bit on it. And then we can kind of flow from there on any other things you want to talk about, but sure. Yeah. Shalise, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So I was reading through your notes and you have a very fascinating story and in the spirit of pride month, I think it would be great to get your kind of experience with Mormonism uh, trying to figure out your sexuality, how you kind of navigated those waters. And I loved how you talked about going to pride month with Jamie. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. It like all kind of comes together at the right time. And then I would also love for you to really kind of do like a Reiki for for beginners, for people who have no idea what it is, how you got into it and how you feel it has helped you and other people as well. Oh yeah. (laughs) Cool. So we feel comfortable starting there, maybe like with your experience in Mormonism and, and anything that you feel you want to bring up or talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also had this idea and I thought it would be kind of cool and for my benefit, and maybe it'll be something that you guys like as well is to start out with a little meditation. Yes, Yes, please. We would love that. Yeah. (laughs) I had a feeling. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you want to just start with that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So just begin to focus in on the present moment. Begin to take some good deep breaths down into your abdomen. And just allow this time to be completely focused on your wellness. With each breath, you feel more and more centered. And just imagine calling back all of your personal energy right into your body. From wherever your energy is scattered, whatever issue or situation or person that your energy might be still holding to, just draw it right back, simply right back to within your body. (laughs) 
imagine connecting your energy downward into the earth. Tuning into that very real energy field that's below us all the time. And just go deep. Allow your energy to flow and go deep within the earth and feel that welcoming embrace of the earth's energy below you. Just a natural connection between us and her. And feel yourself being held safe and stable and grounded. And as you feel that connection, imagine your heartbeat sinking into rhythm with the earth's energy. And as you make that connection, just allow anything that you're holding on to that doesn't belong to just flow downward into the earth. Anything that feels stagnant or old or stuck, anything that feels worrisome or stressful, just let the energy of it flow downwards. And with each breath, you're able to release a little bit more of that heaviness. Anything that's ready to go. And the earth receives that in a very natural way, in a very loving way. Having the ability to take of our human heaviness and transform it again into life and beauty. And release as much heaviness as you can. And then gently shift your focus upwards and imagine connecting with a source of beautiful, pure light. Whatever that light source is to you is perfect. And just imagine that beautiful, pure, refined energy from the universe flowing in to the top of your head and allow it to flow into all parts of you. flowing into any space that is ready for healing, any place that's ready for a little bit more rejuvenation, any place that needs reassurance. And just open your heart and receive as much of that beautiful healing energy as you can. And with each breath, that light grows brighter within you. 
that beautiful energy connecting with your personal energy and your personal divine space within. And you can bring your hands to your heart space. And allow your thoughts to be on gratitude. Sending gratitude downward to the earth. Sending gratitude upward to the source of that beautiful healing light. Sending gratitude inward for the healing that you do for yourself that ripples out from you. And then sending gratitude to each of us, to each other, for the ways that we show up for each other. And now just gently take your time coming back to awareness within your body, beginning to gently stretch or move and gently come back. Thank you for that. Yeah. And that's a wrap folks. That was good. Like we're, <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you. <laughs> Steve, I have to say, as far as like synchronicities go, so, and I saw on your list that you had Rape on there and I would like to talk about that too, if we can fit it in somewhere, but I was actually, you know, this weekend, a lot of fear was coming up for me this weekend. Um, and I was doing a Rape meditation and feeling that fear come up and, you know, before I do these Rape meditations, I sometimes pull like a mudra card that shows the different hand gestures. I don't really know what they are, but you do hand gestures and bring in certain things. And one of this, I picked one that was like a grounding one where I'd put my fingers on the ground to feel the earth's energy. And the fear was kind of getting overwhelming. And then I almost heard like this voice kind of say, give it to me. And so I held that mudra and just like felt it go into the earth and had this realization that like the earth, she wants our shit, you know? Like she wants our carbon dioxide that we breathe out and she wants our shit and she wants our fear. She wants to hold that for us. So anyway, I just love that now you came on and talked about the same thing through this meditation. And so thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's um, what I'm doing is really based in um, like the Andean tradition. So really that connection with the earth and with the heavens. So like that really refined energy. So that's something that I've learned, but, uh, but yeah, just practicing that connection with the earth is super beneficial for our modern like culture. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been one of my best healers and it is really just like this perfectly natural relationship that she wants to take care of us and also like as we release it's almost like fertilizing the ground for new things to start happening for us yeah i love that 
Yeah, guys, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling really good right now. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be a good episode. (laughs) Yeah, same. Well, I'm looking at you now, Steve, and you're so grounded and wise and you just beam love. Um, Yeah. So like, how did you get to this spot? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's almost like we all have that. Like, that's my true belief is that we all have that stepping into this life. And um, we start to just take on all these different layers of identity and meaning and belief about who we are. And I think for me, a big part of healing is just like, let's, let's go into those layers and just gently like help to release what doesn't really fit. So I feel like we all have like this core being this state of being that is very much authentic to us and that the layers just sometimes get in the way. So that's kind of my approach. A lot of it is practicing. Okay. Let's, let's work on a layer at a time. We don't want to fully just like drop our identity, like the thing that we've like, I guess, practiced all our life because that would just really be shocking. Like we don't handle shifts like that as humans very well. It it would be almost traumatizing to just like let go of all of our securities. Like those, those layers feel like that's my comfort. That's my safety. It's worked really well for me. Just, I mean, that's what we think. (laughs) So just gently a layer at a time is, is my way like, and it's so gradual and it just, I don't know. I feel like some people just do that really naturally. It took a lot of learning (laughs) and realization and, progress through different, like a lot of different ways to get me to a place where I was like, Oh, (laughs) I'm in there (laughs) (laughs) and there's nothing wrong with that. Like there's nothing wrong with me. There's, you know, all the, all the times that I've been told or convinced otherwise, um, we each have that. It's just like that fire of divine within us. I feel that. I would love to dive into that more because you really are a true example of transformation and coming out the other side, really honoring who you are. And so I would love to talk about kind of your roots and how you began to slowly peel off these layers. Um, You grew up Mormon in Arizona Mm -hmm. and you said that your parents had learned you were attracted to guys in your early teens and you said it was, quote, explosive. So I would love to start at like the root the hard, the grit, whatever it is that kind of started your journey and then see how you came out on the other side, this beautiful butterfly. (laughs) Well, that's a good metaphor. And I, it's almost weird to think of myself in those terms, but like I can (laughs) offer that as well to like everyone around me. It's like, especially in this tribe, it seems like we're all doing that work and finding each other. So it's, it's beautiful. Um, So it's hard to know where to really begin, but I'll just jump in. Um, Dive in. We'll swim with you. We'll swim with you wherever you go. (laughs) And I just, I love how safe it feels like talking to you guys. I know like I've been a listener, like that's my, (laughs) that's been my role. So I've been getting to know you guys and now it's just like, Hey, here's me. Um, (laughs) Let me just share all of it. So (laughs) yeah, Yeah, we want to hear it all, man. We want to hear it. I, I, are you saying we've shown you ours? So 
Now show you show us yours. <laughs> yes. <Yay. laughs> so um part of like part of my part of my approach here is that I want to be sensitive to my parents' journey too. Like mm-hmm. it's my intention to tell my story for the benefit of other people and to also honor that their path has been difficult. Like it's it's a two, you know, there's, it's not just my path, my, my journey, it's, it's connected to them very much and, and their souls and their journey too. So, um, trying to just sum up when I was a teenager, um, it was like, like in typical Mormon fashion, we don't really talk about sex. Mm-hmm. We sort of like, well, um, put it to the side and hopefully like the kids will learn what they need to learn maybe from school and from other, I don't know, like it's, it just was kind of left for things to just sort of, I guess, play out as they will. And so, um, I guess all growing up, I had a really romanticized idea of what a relationship would be. And, seeing in movies and like Disney shows, it's like, here's romance and it's awesome. Like it's a fairy tale and here's the guy and here's the girl. And I was all on board with that. But then as I moved into my teen years, like undergoing puberty and starting to actually have like a sex drive, um, this realization that like, um, this thing that they're talking about where a guy can like a guy and that's scary and wrong I think I'm feeling that. And that's really scary. Like somehow that doesn't fit into this picture of (laughs) this romantic thing. And I guess for a long time, I thought, well, maybe I can still have that sort of a relationship with somebody where it's that pure, innocent, beautiful romance of a connection between a guy and a girl. And that was like my mode of operation for, years and years of like trying to convince myself that that's a possibility for me when it truly wasn't, it was truly a fairy tale. And I think you could even extend that to any relationship that what you've been sold as the idea of here's how a good relationship works um, is not really going to match your experience when you start, you know, start working into, I'm going to have a romantic relationship. I'm going to have an intimate bond with someone, but yeah, for me, it was very confusing to be in that, in that position of like my parents finding out that like, uh, he's into guys and it was like a surprise and a shock to both of us that they found out one of the most private things about me. And suddenly it's like this, um, it's like this disaster. It's one of the worst things that could have happened. Um, I just remember feeling um, the like deep rejection at that point and having like my dad was completely like enraged. It was almost like he needed to show me how wrong that was. And my mom was just like silent and heartbroken, like trying to be there for me to like, be a, like a strength and a presence there to like help and help navigate through this. But also she's like completely at a loss. Like she doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what 
to do really, but he's trying his best to like, I'm going to instill this gospel like truth into you and it's going to help and you're going to change. And that was uh that was a game for many years of life. So um, just, I remember like after that, that main confrontation that night, just going to bed and having a sense of like deep loneliness. Mm-hmm. And I, I can still reflect back on that instance of life and like not having anything to compare to it. So I feel like that is, that is a big, like traumatic piece, like um, almost like deep loneliness and hopelessness because I was being shown almost the hopelessness of my situation. So Um, just a lot of compassion goes to that former self, um, because, um, a lot of it was just projected beliefs. It wasn't really to do anything with me. And I can realize that now, but, um, it didn't feel like that at the time though. No. Yeah. To have your parents, um, almost like lose hope in who you are and like any of like your worth or anything like that was really bewildering. And it almost turned into this game of like, okay, now I have to show or prove that I am a worthwhile person that I'm like, I'm a good person. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's so relatable for a lot of us in many different ways, having that moment where we just feel unworthy for no good reason at all, but it's just all of these, like you said, program beliefs. And where were you at that point with the church? Were you determined to change so that you could fit the bill or is that kind of where you started to question anything? No. Yeah, absolutely. I was 100% like in with the church. Like I, I feel like I was a pretty like spiritual person and that was the format for it at the time was here's, here's religious truth. And this is true. And I felt really good about it. And um, just having like, so I guess one of the things that stands out is like my time in seminary and having like my first year in seminary was um, new Testament. And so having like the teachings of Jesus, for some reason that felt really positive. It felt really like something connected deep in like deep in me with what I was learning. And like, so I don't know, I would read the scriptures. I would do like everything I could to really just like tap into like, I want to be a good person. And so I was really like orthodox, devout, like all in. And that, you know, that lasted through like, even until I, I was, you know, I was pretty old before I started to have like maybe doubts or, or to let go of a lot of beliefs in the church. And you even went on a mission. Oh yeah. (laughs) Wow. What was that like? Was that difficult for you? I mean, had you, I guess, towed the line at all with the church or were you very much reserved in your sexuality and trying to like push that away? Yeah, that was a big part of it was, um, it, it was like, I'm, 
I am being the best I can be. And as long as I can meet like these standards, I can just go ahead and follow that path of what's expected of, you know, a man in the church. So I actually delayed my mission for a bit because I was really concerned about like, is a mission a good idea for me? Like there was a lot of worthiness issues still like, yeah, like, not like, I guess I wasn't, I think there's a lot of, a lot of guys that would be in that situation that might think like, well, the whole, like being around men constantly, like having a companion, it's just too much. It's, it's not a good situation. I didn't feel that way. Like I, for some reason I felt drawn to the mission, but I also have like this, um, part of my personality trait is like, uh, I think they call it like obstinate defiance, where if you tell me to do something, I'm probably going to not do it. <laughs> I agree with what you're wanting. I'm like, yeah. no, it's it's got to be my decision. And I am a very gradual person. So it took a few years. I actually turned 21 in the MTC. Like I did not rush into like, hey, I'm just going to go on a mission. Like if I don't feel it, if I don't feel from within that this is what I want and that this is good for me, there's no point in even pursuing it. And I think that frustrates a lot of people that are trying to <laughs> push you in a direction. I just want to jump in. Can y'all hear me? I changed mics. Okay. Uh, Steve, something that you said that is the more I talk, the more people I talk to about this with the more uh, in common that I'm starting to find, which is you talked about your diving into the new Testament, your first year of seminary and really connecting with Jesus and that the Jesus character is, is such an interesting uh, juxtaposition against the Mormon church, because, you know, every few years you'll, you'll see this kind of like uprising of, we need to bring Jesus more to the focal point of the church. And the reason that the church keeps having to say that is because they keep pushing Jesus away from being a focal point of the church inadvertently or intentionally. I don't know, probably inadvertently because there's, you know, the restoration and Joseph and the modern prophets and and all that kind of stuff. But I, what I've found is there's this common adoration of Jesus for people who were internally feeling at odds with the church. So, so a lot of my friends who have left the church, a lot of people that I've talked to on the podcast, a lot of people that I've talked to who um, just have some kind of some level of experience with the church, they have this thing of like, I'm the church did me dirty. The church teaches these wrong things. My shelf broke all this kind of stuff. <laughs> but I really just have this relationship with the Jesus character, which is so fascinating. But then it's pretty obvious when you start looking through mostly the new Testament and especially in the gospels in Jesus's life, in the stories of his life, he's constantly being um, forgiving of those who are unforgivable. He's constantly showing love to those who are in a position that is at odds with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's often shown being himself directly at odd with the power structure of both church and state. He's soft. He's gentle. He's a voice of forgiveness and um, openness 
to people who are sitting in a very orthodox Mormon church, hearing that everything about them is wrong and unforgivable and, uh, and, and obscene and vulgar. And so I, I, I'm sorry to derail our whole conversation, but this, this Jesus thing keeps coming up in my life. And I think it's because Jesus uh, transcends the, 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 the Jesus archetype, the, the story of Jesus, whether it's Jesus or Bacchus or Dionysus or whoever we're talking about that human, uh, that ability to be love in human form really speaks more to those who um, feel the necessity to bring love into their, bring love and forgiveness into their own lives, but also to radiate love and forgiveness to those around them. And a lot of times, and I'm not speaking ill of any, any sort of specific Mormon or specific prophet or group, but a lot of times there can be this, uh, this uh, attitude that this sort of like permeates the church that we are perfect and we are part of God's true church. And those people that struggle are the ones who are the cruel and wicked and abomination. When, when uh, quite frankly, the, the very opposite can sometimes be true where the great and spacious building is probably the conference center. The, you know, it's, it's probably people going to the temple and looking down upon those who cannot come into that building. And I just, I, I appreciate that you brought up this strange, you're starting to go through seminary. You're starting to kind of get into it. You want to, you want to stay an active member of the church. You're also struggling with some internal things that you're being told are wrong and bad. And there's Jesus again, man. I, God, go Jesus, go, go Jesus, go Doug. Jesus. I just have to say, hearing you talk about Jesus while you look like fucking Jesus, <laughs> like this light behind you, you're talking about whether it's Jesus or Dionysus or Doug in <laughs> yeah, 2021. I'm just feeling the feels from you right now, man. I feel like we invited Jesus into this conversation today. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, all into uh, very intentional, you know, very, I, but it is something you brought up and I realized that I've forgotten about this, but one of the things when I, my shelf was really starting to break within the church is I read a Christian book called what's so amazing about grace by Philip Yancey, a beautiful book about like grace in the new Testament and Jesus. When I read that, I was like, Oh, this is actually Jesus's gospel. Um, and so I would teach from that book on when I would give talks in church and uh, lessons uh. Love because it. I read it and there's that own internal struggle of like, this isn't the Jesus I hear about in church, but this feels like Jesus to me. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Jesus is dope. <laughs> <laughs> That's so like interesting with like, as I kind of progressed along, I kept having like spiritual experiences in kind of that vein when I, like when I would have, I don't know, like, there was a big thing about the atonement for me, like, especially like, like going to serve a mission. I had this need to know, like, if I'm going out and sharing the gospel about Jesus, like that's the core of our message. I feel like I need to have some sense of the truth of that. And all of these, like, I guess, MTC in the MTC, I had a big experience where I just felt like the room was flooded with that energy of Christ's love. 
And that made a huge difference. I felt like without that, I don't think I could have really done my mission. <laughs> like at the time, I think that's exactly what I needed. Not only like, was that real for like, for me personally of like, you need to see your worthiness because despite everything that you're holding on to that you think is wrong, like that you did and like your past transgressions, there's still this like immediate accessible love that can flow in. And some people, you know, might be triggered by putting a name to it like Jesus, because that's all packaged up in the things that have brought them hurt. And that was also true for me, but those experiences were still there and were still happening for me. So it's, um, it's interesting that as I progressed along and started to deal with like, am I going to embrace this part of me that seems like it's really like who I truly am, or I'm going to keep doing this, like walking this line of expectation, living, living out the expectations of of my leaders and my parents and my church. Um, I started to have this sense of a disconnect of like, when I pray to God and I'm having like that true personal divine connection, I don't feel shame. I don't feel scared to tell God what I'm feeling. I don't, I don't feel scared at all to make that connection. And I don't feel judgment weirdly enough, but when I'm sitting in front of the Bishop um, having to talk about, you know, hey, this is a thing. This is where I messed up. You know, all of these sexual things. I feel awful. I feel terrible. So it was this weird disconnect in feeling. So feeling this beautiful, loving, healing, no judgment connection and have it mismatched with, well, these are supposed to be his messengers, his judges, his people. Like, so, yeah. Well, I love that you're talking about spiritual experiences within the church, because I absolutely agree that they exist. And I think it's a lot of the reason why people don't ever leave because they have such profound experiences that can't be denied, like you praying to God and just feeling overwhelmed by the spirit. At what point were you able to distinguish that those spiritual experiences were not exclusive to Mormonism? Um, I had this experience. So, um, I can actually like remember the day. Yes. <laughs> enough. So, um, I had, um, I had an opportunity in, like on a break from my, so I was going to school at BYUI at the time. And I had this opportunity to go on this road trip with a few friends and, uh, that was like eye opening. So I'm trying to like include details for listeners because <laughs> I'm coming from me and I know it all from my perspective. So Tell us everything. <laughs> so, um, one, so I was going with two of my girlfriends and then this other friend who was openly gay. He wasn't openly gay when I like got to know him, but as I moved away to go to school, he like began his process of coming out. He had his first boyfriend. And so I was a little bit like going on to this trip with like, 
uh, I'm feeling like excited for it. Like I'm going to get to see how things are for Kent and reconnect with him. But I'm also a little scared because that's going to put me in a place of like having to really face up to my own feelings. Oh, wow. Uh, I think that was something I needed to do and that my ego was scared of. (laughs) Was this the first time you had put yourself in a position or close proximity with someone who was openly gay? Um, Someone who was close to me. Yeah. Yeah. There's been other, you know, there had been other times where I had been near gay people, like just hanging out with friends, but it wasn't like a close connection. So it was, Mm -hmm. it was different to have, um, have it be my close friend. So we go to Vegas and the entire time these girls are talking about how sexy some guy is like we're seeing all kinds of guys some guys are like it's hot so they have their shirt off and these girls and my friend are able to just like chat about (laughs) everything that they're seeing everything that they're feeling and these girls are mormon and they have no problem with my friend being open and honest and just being who he is and I'm just sort of like sitting in the backseat um, for the ride and thinking the same things, feeling the same things, but not able to really participate. <laughs> um, but what that did was it, it really um, showed me a different perspective in a way that was like undeniable. So all the things that are taught about like what should happen when you're a gay person and you act on it, like you act on what you're feeling, that should be like one of the worst things that could ever happen. And what I was seeing in real life is Kent is just super happy. He's full of light and he's like excited for life and he's living. And I feel like I had this realization that like, there is a way forward. This isn't what I've been told it was. Um, Everyone that has been telling me what it's like to be gay or what it's like to live true to that, to like my feeling of sexuality is a straight person, (laughs) is a straight Mormon person. And so there, there was like this real revelation in that experience of like, I think I need to embrace who I am. I see how happy Kent is. And that's truth to me. Like there is a way forward for me and it doesn't mean that I have to deny who I am and I can start living life. I felt like I was really sidelined, like watching other people date and have beautiful, like romantic experiences, holding hands, um, you know, having a girl over and maybe make out. And like, that's encouraged. That's something that like, yeah, you're supposed to pair off and you're supposed to date and you're supposed to, you know, live that. And I, I felt very weird about that because there's no way I could make that happen for me. I felt like I, I just had to live on the sidelines and, and sort of make a way for myself that was acceptable. And it wasn't me. Not only, not only is it encouraged having a girl over making out, not only is it encouraged, this, I, no one's ever talking about this at like BYU, Idaho, BYU at these church run schools. Like they take the concept of home teaching at these student wards and they create this concept of 
low key matchmaking. They, 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 that's literally, I've, I've been in on that. I, I know exactly what they're doing. They're trying to create matchmaking. And so this whole thing about like, Oh, you know, um, honest and true and chaste and pure and all that kind of thing and honor code and not, you know, that, that shit is curated. I mean, they're trying to like put the right people. Oh, you're going to be so-and-so's home teacher. Really? I'm the home teacher of this apartment of four girls. That's the only home teaching you want me to do. Like, no, I, I'm telling you, it it is, it is, uh, the, 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 the sentence that I want to say is, is too offensive and vulgar. So the sentence I will say is, it is definitely encouraged and curated at Mormon adult wards uh, to create sexual tension that leads to obligatory marriages. But I'm gonna, uh, that's what I'm going to say about that. <laughs> weren't, weren't you your mate's home teacher? Doug? Damn right. I was my mate's yes. home teacher. <laughs> It worked. It the worked. system worked. Not, not only that. So that was when I was the executive secretary of the student ward, which is a very dorky sounding uh, thing to say out loud. But um, so I was in the, you know, the uh, uh, priest executive council meetings and the bishop meetings where they were talking about matching up uh, certain couples and how they could, oh, they, I was really strong in the church and we, I had a really good connection with the lady who later became my mate. So they were like, we think that you will help reactivate her. And we think that would be a really good, con-. and I'm, and I look back and I'm like, those motherfuckers were setting me up on a, on a date. Like they knew exactly uh, what they were doing. And by the way, it worked because we fell madly in love and we still are, <laughs> but I know that, and you know, their intentions good on them. They wanted to try to, you know, help me find somebody. I guess I wasn't, I guess I wasn't like, I thought I was really good at doing that on my own of like creating a relationship. Be like, Hey, what's up? Let's, let's hang. But the Bishop, I, you know, I won't, I'm not using names or anything like that, but he was like, yeah, I think that you and so-and-so would be really good. I think that you could really help her with the church. And so that was my intent. My intention going over there to her apartment was to, uh, you know, reactivate her and get her back to church. And she, love it. she deactivated me and took me out of church. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so it didn't work. In the yeah. End. So those dudes weren't listening to the spirit. They were listening yeah. to their dicks. <laughs> Shocking. Oh yeah. Uh, one thing I just want to touch on, Steve, is how beautiful that moment you were talking about. Because when you were earlier, you know, we talk about shame and shame. What? happens when we reveal parts of ourselves and don't receive acceptance. Mm. And so then we feel like, Oh, I have to shame that part as well. And you were talking about that feeling of loneliness. The loneliness is not only coming from your parents, not accepting your sexuality, but also inwardly, you were probably thinking I have to cut this part out for me. So you were feeling that disconnection from yourself as well. But then how amazing to then have this moment where you could be safely, you know, we were talking about not stripping out all off all the layers right at once, but easing into the situation where you saw someone else kind of bringing out parts of themselves himself and receiving acceptance and for it and opening that door to like, Oh, if I, what if the opposite is true? And if I let this part out and if I embrace who I am, I will actually, 
actually receive more love, not less. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really hard to deny um, lived experience. Yeah. When you have like life just showing a truth (laughs) and it's like undeniable, it's really hard to just buy into like, but what about the eternal stuff that I've been taught? Like Mm -hmm. that comes after it's like when it's real and it's right in front of you and undeniable, it really speaks in a different way. That's amazing. So your acceptance is coming through. You decide to go that path of really accepting who you are and exploring who you are, who you've always been, but have suppressed. And then you decide to start going on, going on dates. And then you meet Jamie, who I mixed up his name earlier with Kent. So you meet Jamie and tell us how that was. Tell us about that experience. So, um, just right before that, like after I have one little piece right after the Vegas trip. So yeah, I was dealing with this, like almost like that fear of like, do I accept this? Is this the way that I, that I want to go? Is this for me? And there was just this undeniable, like, yes, like everything in me is telling me like, this is so good for you. Let's, even though it's like super scary, yeah. Let's go for it. And so I trusted that. And I called my friend, like we had just got back from this trip and I had to call him like, I need to speak this to somebody because it's too much to hold in. And so he was the first person that I came out to just over the phone. And it was like super cathartic to just like, I'm going to say the words I'm gay. And at that point, that was like super scary to even vocalize. And it, it really was like a beautiful, um, just a beautiful energy of just like connection and truth. So it's really hard to even put words to it. But like the thing I wanted to like share about, like, after I had that phone call, I went for a drive and I like stopped at a gas station. I was like running errands. But like the way I was feeling inside was so different. And I noticed it when I stopped at the gas station and got out of my car. I saw a guy walking out of the gas station and he's like, he's covered in tattoos. He's got like shaggy hair. And so he's the type of person that I think I had a a little bit of a, like a barrier from like church standards. It's like, Mm. I'm, you know, I normally would just judge that person through a lens. So, uh, it was so interesting how different I felt when that person appeared into my day. It was like this beautiful connection. And it wasn't like when I shared that with other people, they're like, Oh, like a dude connection. I'm like, no, (laughs) no. (laughs) Like what I'm talking about is a very humanizing, like my lens because of how I was viewing myself in a new light, like honoring what was inside. I was able to see other people in that same way where I'm not seeing this dude as like his outside layers of like, he's put tattoos on himself. He's not like trimming his beard. I just felt like, Oh my gosh, there's a person. And I feel that. And I'm not walled off from him anymore. So there was like a freedom that came through from just having that, that process happen for me. 
Oh, so I just, I me. love that so much. I'm sorry. I just have to like jump in because it gave me goosebumps. <laughs> the idea that accepting and loving yourself allowed you to accept and love others is exactly what Jesus teaches is just pure love and acceptance. And the fact that all it took was you accepting yourself gave you the ability to open up to the world is just, I just love it so much. <laughs> Jesus is dope, you guys. <laughs> Jesus is dope. Okay, go ahead. Continue. No, I, that's kind of, I think that kind of wrapped up that, that concept. But um, I continue to use that as uh, an example of continued growth. Like looking at like where are my lenses clouded by, by things that I'm not even aware of. And how am I being held back? So it's just it's just really interesting to have that experience and to realize that like even still, even at where I'm where I'm at right now, I still have reasons and judgments and opinions and things that will close me off from other people. And it's almost like uh hindering the flow of just like that beautiful humanity, mm -hmm. beautiful human love. Mm -hmm. So it's just a something I'm like, yeah, continue to practice that because you're not always going to be in that space of openness and acceptance. We have reasons to like expand and then contract, expand, mm -hmm. contract. So just keep practicing the expansion and release more. <laughs> so what was the tug of war like then at that point when you decided to begin accepting yourself and other people on a more pure human level, I guess you could say, were you still fighting the fight in your head of the church of feeling like you still needed to be the way that the church wanted you to be? Or is this the point where you started moving away from that? It definitely was a turning point and it was like reorienting myself. So there's a lot of ways to sort of, and I think every one of us that has struggles with like what's going on in doctrine or whatever going, like whatever's going on belief wise in the church that doesn't like resonate, we reorient and find a way forward because the other alternative alternative is to just exit, you know, like leave altogether. And that's freaking scary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there just didn't feel like I didn't feel a need to do much in terms of like figuring it out. Like there was such a flow of like real truth coming from acceptance that I'm like, I'm sticking with that. And that's my guiding star. Like I can still be in the church. I can still like do what I do, but also with this recognition that they're not always right. They're not always um, teaching truth, especially when it comes to um, sexuality. Amen. Amen. And for the longest time I held on to like, I need to have those core truths still because I've had experiences with like atonement with the truth of like Joseph Smith's mission and the restoration. Those are things that like, as I was like on my mission and other times, it was just like, I'm feeling like this really good, positive energy, having those spiritual experiences. So it almost felt like, I did have to still hold on to like core stuff like that core stuff made me a good person. You know, like if I leave that, that's a bad person, 
mm-hmm. because I know, and I've had experiences, I I've had spiritual confirmation of those things. So as long as I'm like true to the core, the rest of it is just kind of fluffy cultural stuff. And I can sort of have a nuance and navigate around without having to feel like I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. So let's talk about the shift then. Um, sorry, there's a motorcycle outside. It's really loud. Uh, I actually didn't pick so, up our, our end, so you're good. I didn't, okay. I didn't hear it. So you start dating and then... Okay, so there's still like a huge chunk we're missing here because now you're a Reiki practitioner. By the way. And I just want to like, there's so, we could obviously talk I, for hours. I got to jump, <laughs> I got to jump in here, Shalice, and give you a little bit okay. of love. So just the fact that you said there's a huge chunk we're missing here. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody, uh, any of the rest of you noticed, but Shalice has taken the reins of this one. Like her journalistic, like, <laughs> podcast interview skills have taken the reins on this one, Steve. So like put yourself in like rarefied company where you're getting a a coherent actual interview. And it occurred to me and God forbid I have an unspoken thought, right? I can't, you know, so it occurred to me, as you said, okay, wait a minute. There's still a big chunk we're missing. I want to fill these gaps in so that we can get to you being a Reiki uh, master. Shalice, that is the that is what we need on this podcast because I don't think Mike and I are aware of these big gaps that we're missing. No. Uh, I was Doug, I, yeah. I was just gonna say I've been thinking oh, this is gonna be episode forty seven eight. I don't know what it's gonna be, but how does it take us forty eight episodes to realize Shalice should be running this? I mean, th- this has been this has been so coherent. Yeah. That it's kind of knocking my socks off. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I guess there are some guys. I mean, Go ahead, Steve. <laughs> I mean, props to Steve, though. Like, he sent us a very comprehensive email of his experience. So I have, like, a straight-up outline to follow here. That's true. It, <laughs> huge love to this kind of thing. Like, I've withheld questions about, like... Do you think Bigfoot exists and what's your take on past life? Just because they, just because they flitted through my brain and we are actually doing a fucking interview here and it's making me so happy. It's so cool. But I love your random thoughts, Doug. Like it's amazing. Uh, it all comes together. The way it's a, it Yeah. It's a good combo. I just think that we're finding a good groove here. So I just wanted to, I, I wanted to disrupt that flow to tell you, Shalice, that this is, really rad and you're doing this is this is you're doing something that's never been done on this podcast and you're speaking you're speaking from my heart right now doug too yeah I was feeling the exact same thing so fun. like i oh, i can't wipe this grin off my face because i'm like oh shit I, i'm just gonna like i'm gonna get high while you guys are talking as jesus okay. would say right yeah get high <laughs> In the words of Jesus, as he said unto the unto the Pharisees, listen, just shut up and get high while somebody else is talking. <laughs> oh, praise be. One of the truths that was, uh, you know, lost throughout the ages. God, dude, Moses chiseled that onto that third tablet, but then, you know, he got so mad he broke all the cool, all the cool commandments, you know. <laughs> Goddamn Israelites. Oh, I love you guys. Ooh, so let's go back to the gaps. Hey, back to Steve. <laughs> so 
So you have a shift. You are introduced to Reiki and you start this shamanic journey. So tell us about that. Okay. So like I have this shift, like, I guess a full couple years before I'm finished at BYUI. And so it was really tricky to be like, Oh yeah. Not fully like openly gay, but like I'm, I'm out to myself and I'm out to some close like family members and friends, but I'm still needing to make this um, successful end to my education without like ruining that. So it became like this, like waiting game, I guess of like, I know where I'm headed. I know that I want to date guys, but there's no rush but I do feel like I want to Yeah, <laughs> so this weird, like, yeah, I want to, but I also really don't want to mess up what's going on at school. I don't want to have any conflict there. Um, so it was a game of like, <clears throat> let's make it to the end of BYUI and then we'll kind of launch, like, we'll see where we go from there. Mm. And that did happen. Like that did work out. I did have like some really um, scary experiences with, like honor code stuff at the school. Mm. So oh, yeah. I was called in for really minor things that like even my instructors, like, so I took geology at school. We did like this field clamp, field clamp, um, field camp course where we're camping for like six weeks out in the field. And then we come back on the weekends. So wow. I was like out in the field, almost no cell service and get like a voicemail randomly when I'm like up on a mountain that, allowed me to get a signal my mom's like hey so and so from the honor code office is calling they need you to call them so just having like these these moments of terror of like do they know something like is this about me being gay am i going to be in trouble really just like <laughs> there were some scary moments and they were for just minor things of like hey you posted this on facebook uh why did you do oh my that? gosh and the other one was like, Hey, you were, you were in a building on campus on a Sunday doing schoolwork and that's not allowed. So they were just minor things, but in my, <laughs> in my anxious mind, it was like, they found out there's something that they found out I'm going to be in trouble. And my school's like, I don't know. It was a really hard place to be. I think it was actually like, it was traumatic on a level, but it was also just like, it felt like a game of like, I can see what this mechanism is and I just need to like jump the proper hoops to get through and there'll be freedom on the other side. So, so it was a little bit dicey, almost felt like a little bit of a, like, like a risky game. Living on the edge. Yeah. 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 And there's probably a lot more to that to unpack. But um, once I was to that point of finishing school, it began like things began to unfold really quickly because I knew who I was. I knew what I wanted and the world was just completely open. So for some reason, I was attracted to Salt Lake. So not from here, but as I was at school in Idaho, I had a few opportunities to come to Salt Lake. And I realized like, this isn't just like Mormon headquarters. The city itself is full of 
a lot of different types of people and there's like a gay scene here and there's like arts and all kinds of cool stuff. So I felt really good in Salt Lake and I, you know, I didn't grow up thinking that would be a place I would ever think to like live. So that, that was why I came like after graduation, I came to Salt Lake to job search. I was like, I'm going to see what's out there in terms of jobs. I like the city. Seems like a good idea. So um, while I was job searching, I ended up meeting quite a few different guys. And when I met Jamie, there was something different about it. It was like, I, I don't know what it was, but like when he like when he came to pick me up for our first date, I walked out and saw him in his car, like waiting there for me. And just like, I can still feel the feeling. It, it was just like that person, <laughs> there's something about him. Like, I, I just feel really good about this. And I didn't, I don't know. It, it wasn't like this, like beam of light or anything. It was just like, there he is. Like, I just really liked it. Oh, there and he is. He gives me butterflies. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, there he is. <laughs> I love it. I, I didn't know like where that would go, but I sort of in the back of my mind was like, I really hope that this is like something that's going to work out. Like, I hope that he's feeling what I'm feeling and I like, I really want to explore it more. So feels almost uh fairy tale-ish in a way <laughs> no but um i, I want to just hit on one point i just love what you said about you saw kind of held out and then you saw the world open up in front of you and a theme for me that's been coming up a lot is allowing the old to die to give birth to the new and, um, you know, I've been getting into tarot lately and one of my favorite cards is the 10 of swords. And in that card, the, the figure has been stabbed by 10 swords and is dying. But in the background, you see a sun kind of peeking up over the horizon, kind of like this end of a cycle, allow the 10 swords to do their thing, allow the death to occur. And then the world opens up, you know, the new comes up, in, you know, in front of you. And yeah, I love that. I love that because it's also, it requires you to accept the death of whatever it is that's going on. People want to shift into something better without realizing that sometimes that comes with the death of an idea or part of yourself that no longer serves you. And so really diving into those hard and scary feelings for yourself to really emerge as something new is so amazing. Can I skip to the end? Are you still with Jamie? <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure. I was, it just felt right. And I was like, okay, I, I need to know. Yeah. Um, so then this, um, this journey into your spiritual side, how did you even come across these meditation groups or Reiki classes? Yeah, so I moved... Um, Moved, so I was just job searching here when I met Jamie. I didn't live here. So I moved back to Arizona. We kept in touch and we started to talk about like the possibility of maybe I should move up there and let's explore this because we're both kind of wanting that. Even though like I am very, very much like safe, gentle, gradual, don't make any risky moves. Like <laughs> this one felt right. 
to the point where it's like, yeah, I'm going to pack my stuff and jump on a Greyhound bus and I'm going to go live with a guy. Yeah. Like, my soul was just telling me yes. <laughs> and I've come to trust that a lot where even though this might be a big jump or something new, like if I feel it, I don't have any problem going with it. And it was right, you know, so um, moved to Salt Lake. And as I moved out of my hometown, it was another step outside of the culture that I had been raised in. And it was just a really natural way to like drop church attendance. And it just felt like, no, I, I think I'm done with doing that. I, I've known for a long time that it's not really safe for a gay person to just dwell in that, like in that dogma and in those ideas and things that are going to be thrown at you. So it just felt really natural to like, you know, I still believe all this stuff, but I think I'm done with going to church and Jamie wasn't going to church either. So it just felt really natural to not like to just enjoy our Sunday. But it also left me in a space of like, now I have to decide for myself, what is my spiritual practice? Because I am missing that weekly connection, that thing that sort of fills something in me, like, I do want a spiritual practice and I know that I'm happier if I have a spiritual practice. So I started to do meditation and I don't know even where I came up with, like I must've Googled it or something where there, like there is a thing called candle meditation where you're just sitting in a darkened room with a candle and maybe some background music and the meditation. I'm, I'm probably like not describing what true candle meditation is, but you can Google it, but really it's focusing on, the flame and not anything else. And you just, you're just able to like see it and you can close your eyes and just see the flame inside and then like focus again on the flame in front of you. And I like, as soon as I started doing that, it just felt like this really natural connection and spiritual connection. Like I was feeling a flow of like good energy, just like connecting with my body and I'm like, well, that's interesting. This has nothing to do with church. It has nothing to do with prayer. It's just me getting still. And suddenly I'm tuning into like a connection that's out there. And it's almost like I just have to be in a place where I can get still enough. And then it like just happens. And I, I tune into it and it happens. So that was like a big, I'm getting chills just remembering it because like that's still how I do everything with spirit. Like that's, it's very basic, but that's still like that same feeling, that same, just like get still enough and you, you make that connection. So that's, um, that's how I kind of started into a different form of like a spiritual practice that was super helpful to just like strip away all the other stuff and to just be present within myself and connect with something bigger than me, something, something beautiful from the universe, just connecting in. So, um, I really love crystals. Like that's part of my geology thing. Like I should probably show you guys like some of the stuff that's on my desk. <laughs> my whole desk is covered with like big. Me amazing. too. Um, oh, oh, wow. Shit, look at that one. At least. <laughs> So we're all showing our little crystals and then Chalice has to like, Get oh, what? what <laughs> oh, nice port. Yeah, it's a problem. I, I collect them like 
like no other. And my, my husband has gotten into it too, but. Well, so um, I just to explain the listeners there. So Doug and I showed these little baby crystals. Salise pulls out a big one. And then Steve won up all of us with this huge crystal. That explained what the reaction was there. <laughs> yeah, Steve, Steve basically got a hand truck and like rolled a huge crystal over in front of us. Like, okay, Steve, we get it. Well, I also, I also want to point out though that just by starting with the candle meditation, you are learning to connect with the elements and the earth, just like the the meditation we did to start off the episode, yeah. and that's really kind of the basis of Reiki as well. If I'm, if I remember correctly is about pulling in the energy of the earth. So tell us about, um, learning Reiki. And, and I feel like you're, you're probably like an elemental soul. Like you love the crystals and the earth and you're really drawn to that. So it makes sense that you're drawn to Reiki as well. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very earth-based and as I've like continued to work with energy and learn, like that's a huge part of my healing. Like I'm naturally drawn to nature and earth. And some people are much more geared towards like the transcendent stuff and like star stuff. And That's me. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so when I hear about like star seeds and like star beings and that, like there is a weird, like, Oh, that doesn't quite resonate with me for some reason. And I almost, it was almost in a dismissive way of like, I don't know what they're talking about. Like, that's, <laughs> I don't know if that's even a thing, but like, no, I've come to like really appreciate that there's lots of different types of people and spirits and energies. And so where I went from, like how I got from just meditation to Reiki is there was a crystal shop here, like close to me that I was like, I have to go check out the crystals. And I learned through their like Facebook that they do these group meditations. So part of me wanted to, but also like the introvert part of me was like, I'm good just doing my own thing. I don't need to be in a group of people. I have no idea who these people are, what it's going to be like. But at a certain point, I just decided to go. And it's almost it's almost like all these little steps, my ego was kind of trying to hold me back and like protect me. There's like this sense of like, that seems good, but it also seems scary. Mm -hmm. So I've come to recognize that resistance though of like, I think that's something that's good for me. Even though I'm feeling the resistance, I'm trusting my spirit. I'm trusting my soul. I'm going to go to that like group meditation thing. So um, the guy leading this group meditation is the guy who would eventually be my Reiki teacher. He's like using Reiki and sound bowls, like the crystal, like mm -hmm. quartz singing bowls. He's infusing the entire thing with Reiki. And the experiences I was having there were like elevated. It was like, yeah, this is meditation, but you get me in a group that all have like, they're holding the same intention. We're using the sound of the, like the crystal bowls at different frequencies to like combine with our intention. And he's putting Reiki into the whole thing. It just was really elevated and new. Um, and I would feel my body shift. Like I could feel my energy shift that like that was a shift that lasted. I would walk away from that experience and feel very different. So that was kind of like my first taste of Reiki, my first like real experience of like, I, there's something there. Um, and then I had a friend that learned Reiki and she needed to practice. And she reached out to me and she was like, 
would you let me do a practice session of Reiki? Like, yeah, I would love that. Like I'm, I'm game for that. So she came over and did a session for both me and Jamie and she was combining modalities. So she had learned the access consciousness bars, which, um, I think your last guest had talked about, had mentioned that too. And I'm not really like versed in that modality. I'm not really like, I couldn't really tell you much about it, but, uh, my friend doing it on me opened something Mm. up. This was like, I had never seen anything with like my inner sight. Like I, Mm. I didn't feel like I had the ability to see inner stuff or experiencing or experience inner stuff like that. Um, but as I lay on the table, she was just doing these positions for the access consciousness bars. And suddenly I'm just seeing this image of this colorful lioness right in front of my oh, face. Shit, Shalice. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, I was a little bit shocked at first, but then like the shock really turned into like, well, let me tune into the feeling of it. And I really got a sense of like, whoa, this is like gentle power. Yeah, That's what it embodies. It's like this gentle power and it's here to support me. And it just felt really good. So that was new. (laughs) And love that. as I just continued on with life after that session, like going about my day, I noticed a huge difference in how I was like, I was just full of bliss and it's like, that's the best way I can describe it was I no longer felt like all of these annoyances that I typically have. And one of the big like clues that I have in, in how I'm doing energetically is how I respond to kids. So we'd be in a public place and maybe we're in line waiting to like get food or something. And if kids are like noisy or running around or playing, my typical thing is just like, oh, get those things under control. Like, <laughs> they're running everywhere. I'm super annoyed. I did not respond that way. I saw this girl like swinging on this swinging on this bar, like the, the bar that routes you through the line, she's jumping on it and she's swinging and she's just having a blast. And my soul just like lit up. I was super like happy about that. And I, I like noticed it like, Oh my gosh, I'm different now. (laughs) Can I just point out something really quick? Yeah. So this popped up for me. The first thing that I thought when you were able to have that inner sight was that she probably released your blocked third eye chakra, which is all about introspection, which is all about intuition and like believing yourself and you had shut yourself off for so long because you didn't trust yourself. You thought something was wrong with you and you were trying to block it. And by releasing that, it's giving you that second sight. It's giving you that intuition. And the change with you and children is like, you're finally accepting your inner child and you're giving your inner child love, the one that needed the support. And so now you're viewing these actual children as something that's a good thing instead of wanting to shut it down. Oh, I love it so much. My heart. Yeah. Yeah. And then gentle power. Oh yeah. Steve, I'm trying to sum up what the vibe, like your energy that you bring. And that was perfect. You have this gentle power to you Mm. that 
Yeah. So it's true. So true. So good. Yeah. And yeah. Ah. Well, that, that was like a big lesson from that image and it continues like there's, there's so much that's gone on with like the shamanic journeying and everything that, that has shown me like, here's what you do. Like, here's who you are, all of the things that are going to be important. So yeah, from there, like I felt just another thing is like guided to do the shamanic journeying class. That's what led me into Reiki. Like all of these journeys I'm having in the, in the class are what pointed me to Reiki. Like, constantly like learn Reiki, learn Reiki. And I didn't even know why, or like, do I even, do I even want this? Like, I don't picture myself as like a Reiki practitioner. That seems almost silly. I don't, I don't know that I need that, but as soon as I go into a journey, my guides are pushing me like learn Reiki, by the way, learn Reiki. (laughs) So (laughs) it was just another thing that I needed to do. And they knew it. And I, yeah, I just had to like kind of trust it, but also like for me to like say no to that would almost be more difficult than to just roll with it because like, they know what they're doing. Like my guides are giving me good information about what's going to help and what's going to be good for my path. So, um, I would like to talk a little bit about like shamanic journeying has been amazingly useful like it's been such a good tool for me like when i hear you mike talk about like dreams and interpreting dreams for me it's it's journeying like that that's a very similar thing um it was it was a super define what you mean i guess for uh, when you say shamanic journeying talking about like plant medicine are you talking about or what would what is that yeah. Yeah. So, um, this isn't plant medicine. It's not, um, so it's induced by trans. So, uh, the class that I took is based on a book called shamanic journeying. I have it right here. It's by Sandra Ingerman and let's see a beginner's guide. So if you buy the book new, it comes with a CD and it's even got a drumming track in it. That cover is so dope. Yeah. Yeah. So, I didn't even know what to expect going into this course. My friend M, amazing space holder, amazing teacher um, here in Salt Lake. And that was another thing, like you need to go to this class. So going into this shamanic journeying class and all M is doing is, you know, teaching us about journeying. And then we have practice, you know, like we, we do journey experiences. So M is playing, playing their drum creating a drum beat and we just do a a journey experience in that state. So the details of, of trance state, like that's another thing. It's like, I'm not super well versed in that, but you're basically in training your mind into brain waves that allow you to do like a journey state really easily. And I don't think it works the same for any two people there's there's people that really vibe with it and i was one of those like when i had my first journey it felt like this is the way i've always connected for for insights like this this is the way that i've always done this and it just felt like coming home and when i started into that journey state 
and having my guides appear, it felt like this celebration, like he's here. Yeah. He's here and he's ready and yes. we, can, we can work with him. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And I was blown away that it was just a drum. And I feel like that's really tied into our human, like our human parts that like all cultures have developed that style of instrument. And it's just yeah. it so rooted in our humans, like our, I'm, I'm butchering the, like, I don't know how to use my words right now, but like that <laughs> is tied into who we are. Like yeah. just the drum beat itself does amazing things and it doesn't even have to do like doesn't even have to necessarily be for journeying it can be for like all kinds of purposes but like that drum drumming like it it was amazing i read that um uh, in one of my uh, books about the shamanic uh guide experience it talks about uh, inducing trance states through drumming and it goes kind of into drumming a little bit all of us were at one point in the womb and we were very close to our mother's heartbeat. And so as we developed, there is that uh, rhythmic heart beating that the drum recreates um, that puts us in a, in a uh, sort of suspended animation state of in between life and death. And that's where we go uh, for that, for that trance is somewhere but somewhere above the concepts of uh, life and not life. So uh, sorry to just jump in there, but uh, that's, that's why drumming is found in every single culture that humans have ever populated. That's uh, sorry, guys, I'm getting blown away by another synchronicity in all this. So last night my mate was out of town, right? So like I was, I got high. And I did some rape and weed and rape mix very well for me. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but they, they mix amazingly well. And I was listening to this playlist and a drum beat came on and I was like, I want more of that. So I pulled up Spotify and I'm like, if I search tribal, I think so tribal chill playlist came on and there was these drum beats and I'm like, I'm feeling this. And then today we're here talking about, and that, uh, the heartbeat. Yeah. I don't know. I'm feeling all of it. So thank you guys for this other synchronicity. So, uh. yeah, I mean, we, well, it's such a primal thing. Yeah. It's primal. We were at one point two beings existing within one body and we learned to syncopate ourselves with the heartbeat of another entity. That's cool. That's way cool. Yeah. When, like when you're talking about that being like close to our mother's heart, there's something very like divine feminine yeah. about that whole thing. Yes. So I love that too. So then with shamanic journeying, then you're getting into this trance state. So you're meditating, but someone's doing something to induce. Is that kind of what, if I'm to simplify or like try to, cause this is a new concept for me and I <laughs> want to dive in. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So like, I really recommend reading the, that book because it's really short, but it's like, uh, Sandra Ingerman has just a wealth of knowledge, like a lot of experience with it and can explain it really well. So, um, what my experience was 
is so we're all laying down like all of us in the class we have an uh we have a an intention for a journey so it's not just like open to whatever like you have an intention um you lay with a blindfold on and just like relax into the drum beat and we we have guidance for those first beginning journeys you go to a space called your sacred garden so it almost gives you a way to okay, like my imagination can now like move forward from my subconscious into this space that is safe to play in. And I can meet my guides there and, you know, do whatever intention I need to. So that I think is a really good container for, um, for doing that kind of work because um, I feel like there's, there's potential for it to get um like to get a little bit like out there <laughs> and I've had journeys where I'm like, uh, this seems odd. I think I'm going to go back to my garden and just, chill. <laughs> and I've, I've only had that, I think one time, but, um, really what you're doing is activating your imagination. And I really want to give like a real, like, go ahead to using your imagination. I feel like that's another thing that we have been taught through so many like um, cultural conditioning to like, no, the imagination is silly. The imagination is for kids who are just learning. Like we put that aside when we grow up, like you don't imagine stuff and imagination is almost like the, the tools for creating. And it's, I, I don't know, some people might, might be afraid of like, well, what if I'm just making this up because I'm using my imagination? And I think that is a big part of learning, even when you're going into plant medicine states or different meditative states of like, well, let's look at what the information you're getting leads to. So I'm being directed in certain ways. And what is the outcome? So if a shaman is journey, like journeying for his or her tribe they're not going to be kept as shaman if the information they're bringing is not viable. They're, they're not going to be kept as the shaman if they don't have viable outcome. So same thing with a, like a very individual level where I'm journeying for meeting my spirit guides, um, figuring out some of the stuff that like, Hey, what do I need to focus on for healing? What's my next step or so many things that like, it's such a vast world um, that you can, that you can access for all different reasons. So, um, yeah, for me, it was just like, it was really profound to have that level of access for me personally. It was like all of my life, I have been taught that these other people receive direct information that guides my life. Now I'm kind of stripping that all away and I'm just going directly into spirit. And I think that's probably true for a lot of different modalities where you're able to just like not outsource your healing. You're able to really make that direct connection um, completely free of any sort of like restriction. And speaking of direct connection, you had mentioned that you had some sort of experience with Jesus in your Reiki, which I would love to talk about because we're, 
We've been talking about Jesus this whole time. <laughs> and now you don't need a bishop to talk to Jesus for you. Yes. So what was that like? And you don't need Doug to come in the form of Jesus necessarily either. <laughs> <laughs> I could take off my wig now and stop being so Jesus-y. <laughs> please don't please don't please don't all right brace your jesus oh, Doug. but first before we talk about that um i know that reiki may be a new topic for a lot of people listening would you mind just giving a very easy to understand oh, kind of overview of what reiki is yeah and like <clears throat> so um at its heart like Reiki is a modality that's Japanese based and it's for stress reduction. And so that's just like at its very basic, that is what it is. Um, and a definition of like the actual, so breaking down the Japanese words to try to translate it into meaning of like what it is in our language is um, spiritually guided life force energy. And some people even shy away from that idea because it's like, well, it's spiritual stuff. I don't have any use for that. Um, but, but that's kind of what it directly translates to that. You're, um, you're making a connection with an energy source. And then, so you're basically, there's um, <clears throat> before I get like too far down the road, let me just stop and say like the key part um, of Reiki is it's related to like Chi. So, so it's the same, the same uh, concept of, of Chi. So Reiki is divinely guided life force energy. So the Chi and the key are just life force energy. That energy is in life. It's surrounding us. It's all throughout the universe and we have access to it. And a lot of times we can just access it when we need it, even through like meditation, like what we did at the start of this of like, I'm going to call in that beautiful refined energy. So Reiki and using Reiki is the act of inviting that energy that's already around us, but really inviting it in and then using it to send um, or to do healing. And uh, it can be, so it can be, let me just like encapsulate what I'm trying to trying to say. So it can be done over a distance. Like I could send Reiki to any one of you um, and have just as awesome a session as if you were here in person for me to work on uh, the energy, because it's universal connects to all of us and it works the same. And I think that's hard for people to really buy into. Um, <laughs> But I want to I want to jump in, though, whenever someone gives me that look of like, OK, you know what I mean? We can draw it back to quantum physics. We know for a fact that we're all connected. So it's really not that far fetched to believe that if I do something here, it may affect someone on the other side of the world. I mean, there's been experiments done with atoms to prove that if you split an atom in half and put them miles apart and you affect one, the other one is affected. Just yeah. wanted to throw some science in there. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. And like when I first learned Reiki and started, like I didn't have a ton of people right here around me that were like a comfortable, like, let me, let me practice on you. But my sister that lives in Arizona is very into like, she wanted to try it. And so I said, well, I can do distance Reiki. Do you want to try that? 
so that was like my first foray into like, let me, let me, let me try and practice using this energy. And she journaled after our session and I had a bunch of notes to send to her. And as we like sent those to each other and compared them, it was this beautiful confirmation of like, I'm getting good information and it's matching exactly what she's experienced. So, um, amazing. Yeah. So it can also be practiced, you know, in person, you're using hand placements on the body. Um, what I'm doing, one of the methods for scanning with Reiki is, um, they do this technique called Biosyn scanning. And so it's like you, you know, you start out by inviting the Reiki energy in you, um, and then you just use your non-dominant hand to like go over a person's energy field and find like, here's, you know, here's an area where energy is blocked. Here's something here that needs treatment. And it's just, it's, it's um, just finding those areas and sending in that energy to sort of replenish and open. And yeah, a lot of it is just done without my knowledge. Um, a lot of it is done from an area of trust where, I already know that this works. And so just entering that space of inviting the energy and allowing it is the most effective thing. I, uh, I think there's, there's room for you to like personally get involved and actually be sending your own energy. Cause you, you know, you want this certain outcome. Like I want this person to be like, I want them to have a super awesome experience. I want this healing to happen and you can be sending your own energy. But to me, like, the most, the most profound and most effective Reiki sessions are the ones where I'm not even in the way of anything. I'm a channel. I'm allowing that energy to flow and to do what needs to happen because I can't perceive, I can't perceive on a level energetically what that energy can do and what its potential is on a very personal level with that person. So then basically a Reiki practitioner is an intentional channel or an intentional conduit for the energy to help the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I'm feeling that right now, guys. Yeah. Feeling good. So tell us, tell us about your Jesus experience, please. (laughs) Okay. So at the point that I was taking Reiki, I had already left the church. I'd already resigned and I still had some wounding around that person around that image of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I was making, you know, spiritual connections with source, with good energy that had nothing to do with a name. (laughs) And so um, I was in a really good place spiritually, but I didn't have like a real like resolved relationship with like that, that persona, that Jesus image. So going into my first Reiki class, I was learning all about Reiki and they do experiences within. So I'm, I do Holy fire Reiki. So that's like the lineage of, of Reiki that I learned. And I love the name of that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's kind of like divisive though. It's kind of like a make or break because if, you know, if you don't, the whole thing about like Holy fire, it can turn some people off if they've been hurt by religion, but just think of more of on like the Indiana Jones, like Indiana Jones and the Holy fire or something. And maybe you can get there. I don't know. 
don't know where I'm going. I mean, <laughs> in Raiders, in Raiders, that's what came out of the that's what came out of the Ark of the Covenant. Probably yeah. was holy fire, right? right. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> right. sorry about the Indiana Jones tangent. Well, and, and let's just go one more step there. You know, we we're talking about blasting up, you know, peeling off layers. You know, the Nazis weren't prepared for the the energy that was coming out of that Ark. You know, so like, yeah. totally, we got to be careful with the energy that we're working with, and you know, the ego is frustrating but important so yeah. anyway <laughs> yeah well and indy knew that he and uh uh marion weren't worthy either so it's like close your eyes don't let it like just pay don't pay attention to it we're not worthy of this either it's not it's not the that the nazis are uh uniquely evil which they were uniquely evil <laughs> but you know hey listen but be aware yeah be aware of like hey this is too much for me right now i'm gonna yeah <laughs> yeah guard guard your own space like indiana jones <laughs> indiana jones and the temple of the holy fire i don't know whatever what, let's go let's keep let's continue steve sorry oh, yeah, man i'm in anyway sorry <laughs> so the some of the experiences that the way that they like basically um attune you to the energy to start working with it you have kind of a meditative experience that's led by your teacher and it is a lot like going into a journey state where you're just laying there and allowing the energy to flow in and and do its thing um so i'm receiving this energy and being basically uh brought into this uh ability to work with that energy. And the first thing that shows up in this Reiki experience, like my very first experience with receiving that energy is Jesus. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Like I thought I had just untangled from all of that stuff. And this is who's like showing up. This is the face that you're putting to this experience. Like, do I really need to get it from this person? And so the image of Jesus that I'm seeing in my, you know, inner sight is a very plain person, just like unremarkable and, and just very plain. And as I had that thought of like, are you serious? Like, what is this? Like he turns to me and like, with just a glance communicates this, this phrase of like, I'm just a guy and I have things to offer you. Yes. And I was like, okay. And from there on out, I had this realization of like, if I'm able to heal my relationship with this image, it allows me to connect right back into my family and their experience and not feel triggered by all of like the church of Jesus Christ, like all of that. I I have like an area of healing that can bridge a gap now. Like I don't have to be totally cut off from what I treated as my like source of trauma. So it was really like reforming that relationship to that image and to that energy. Um, And once again, looking back to like the experiences I had spiritually that were rooted in experiences with Jesus. So it was a layer of healing that I didn't know that I needed, but Reiki knew like Reiki showed up in the way that I personally needed it the most. I had religious trauma that could be healed. And the ironic thing is that it had the face of Jesus to bring it to me. Oh man. 
That's and what a confirmation of yeah. your spiritual experiences before, because then, yeah. yeah, because then you can really have that understanding that it wasn't tied to a specific religion. It was tied to your own inner worth, your own energy, your higher self, even your guides. And it yeah. was divinely directed in the moments that you needed it. And now it is too. Yeah. And that there's so much there, like a wealth of like spiritual knowledge that I don't have to throw away. Yeah. <laughs> that I can rediscover in like this beautiful, like it's no longer in a specific box or frame. It's like, it is just there. It is just there and open. Even something to me here. Um, I just realized how much, I just, everything you're saying about that, like, and Doug, you know, we, we talk about Jesus a bit on this podcast and like, uh, I'm not, I've never been that Jesus is dope type of guy as we've been doing this podcast. Um, because I just realized there's still a lot of anger there towards that symbol of, Kind of like this. I never knew if I was okay. I never knew if I was like worthy. It was this constant struggle. And I I would be drawn to this figure of Jesus as like this comforting figure, my mediator between him, me and an angry God, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's like, where were you? You know, I don't know, guys, I'm going down this path right now, but like, I just feel like for me, this is very timely and healing because I've, I think I want to try to connect with that symbol a little bit and see what comes up. Cause right now it's kind of anger and, hmm. um, but a draw to it. I don't know if that, any of that made sense, but yeah, I'm just getting like this, like it really, to me is calling in the, even like the physical, like representations of what Christ went through, like he gets to be reborn. He gets to die in certain ways and gets to be reborn. And it's a very personal thing to each of us. Like that image can be reformed for you. And it's like (laughs) the resurrected version for you. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh, I think so much of being an ex-Mormon or leaving any type of structured religion is about redefining everything that you've ever learned and figuring out a way that resonates with you now, redefining your relationship with Jesus, redefining your relationship with prayer, which is essentially meditation, redefining your opinions on plant medicines and connecting with the earth. There's so much to be done. And like you were saying before, we can't get it all at once. We can't just take apart all of the layers. We have to kind of slowly do that. It's, it is a journey. It is a journey. And there's one other thing I want to, I know we're getting a little short on time, but I wanted to touch a little bit on what you said about imagination. Cause that's been coming up for me in um, this whole, am I imagining it or am I really, you know, was I seeing a figure of Jesus? This is all in my imagination. You know, I had an experience, Doug, when we were in Sedona um, and we were on LSD, 
uh, had this experience where I, I'm like, you know what, let me go and visit. You know, we've done those ninth dimensional Pleiadian podcasts with Glenn. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, let me go visit though that realm. And I meditated and it was like leaning into my imagination of it, but it felt so real at the same time because imagination is real. It's happening inside of us. And I guess what I want to say with that is like let's lean into our imaginations and see what blooms from that and what the outcome is, is what you're talking about, Steve, you know, like what, where that imagination goes and whether it's real or it's all in our head, I think there's a beauty of what comes out of that. It's art, it's uh, expansion. I don't know. Um, and so I, I just love that you hit on that about imagination. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there is so much of our childhood, like natural draws as children that we can really uh, benefit from as adults, like talking about like rewilding, um, like re, you know, reconnecting with nature. I think another part is like reconnecting with those parts that don't quite seem um, proper like culture has taught us, like, don't be silly. Don't play like you've got to work. Don't, don't make a mess. Your imagination, that's just your imagination. How disempowering that is. And it's good to let go of all of those judgments around those things, because a lot of my healing and like, especially when like I'm on certain plants, like kava, I just naturally like, I feel really good. I feel playful. I feel like I could just dance and flow and my normal judgmental self would probably be like, what are you doing, dude? Make sure the blinds are closed. Make sure nobody else is <laughs> watching right. this performance. All right. Uh, What's Kava and how can I get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like the Polynesian drink. Um, <sighs> so it's a root that a lot of different Polynesian cultures have worked with for a long time. And, um, I, I can, I can send you a link. I get mine from, uh, it's called Bula, uh, Bula Kava house. And so what I get, you can get like instant Kava powder that you just dissolve in water to drink. Um, but what I really love is working with the actual like ground up root. So it comes in like a kind of a coarse powder and you make kind of a tea out of it. And I love that because it's a ceremony. I'm working with my own energy to, yeah. like, to activate this healing, healing medicine. And I'm, you know, you need, you know, you put it in a strained bag. So this powder goes into like this really fine mesh bag and then you just put it in water and you need it. You like really work it to bring the medicine out of the, the plant material and into the water. And there's something about that that just feels really good. Like it feels like I can connect with this. It becomes a sacred thing. And then you drink it. You don't sip it. You like chug, like you okay. dump it down. And for me, like a person that carries a lot of anxiety and I tend to like allow it to build, um, Kava has been a godsend. Kava has like been this channel of just like, Oh, this is beautiful. Oh, this feels good. And I remember the first time I had it, it was in a group setting and I'm normally pretty reserved socially. Like it takes a little bit for me to warm up and just be free. My first cup of kava, I was like, 
I like these people. Like, let's chat, <laughs> let's mingle, let's do stuff. And they were feeling the same, like they're on the same uh, batch of, of kava. And there's a reason why that plant is like been used for, for thousands of years. It's, it's one of my favorites. I like, I have my favorites and I try not to project onto other people. Like this works for me. So like, go get some, like, it's awesome. Uh, it's not going to be the case for everybody. Uh, but I found so much benefit in it. Uh, Mike, remember the, <clears throat> remember the second time we went to the reggae festival yeah. and we had like three spots. We had the, we, we were behind the stage thing. I had gone up on that big hill and set up a whole campsite. And then we had our uh, Airbnb. And there was that moment when you and I were walking through the campsite, we met my random buddy, my random Polynesian buddy. Remember meeting him? Yes. Paul's giddy guy. Yeah. Yeah. So he and I were chatting and then we, you and I went back into the festival and then it was becoming clear that we had multiple places to stay. And so I went, do you remember this? I left the group, went back to load up, take down the campsite. Yeah, I remember the one that we never used. Yeah. The one that we never used. Yeah. So as I was coming back to the festival, this was right before the Xavier Rudd uh, performance. And it was right before the, the, the self-conscious sun discussion. Yeah. Uh-huh. As I was, I had loaded up my truck. And then as I was walking back through, I stopped at his camp and he gave me a cup of kava so when we came back, that's why I was so loopy. And I know we had already done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. I know we had already done MDMA and mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I took that cup of kava. And that's why every word that was dripping out of your mouth, I was I was full belly Santa Claus laughing. Like, this is the greatest. <laughs> This is the greatest stand-up comedian in the history of the world. <laughs> and that is Mike talking about the sun being self-conscious. Uh, oh my gosh. That's my experience with Kava. I, I, <sighs> nothing could, in fact, on Kava, I, I manifested us meeting Xavier Rudd. That's what happened. We did. Like, oh, and we did. Yeah. I was like, we're going to meet him. And, and okay. the people we were with were, they were big fans of his. And so we were, I was like, come over here. Let's, let's go this way and go right back around. And then we stood there and chatted with him, got pictures with him, Damn. all that kind of stuff. Thank you, Kava. Thank you, Kava. <laughs> I'm so excited to do, I mean, maybe it doesn't speak to me. Maybe it does, but like, there's something about, you were talking about playfulness. Yeah. It's what I need more of right now. Like, yeah. Yeah. Why so serious, right? Like, let's, so serious? let's fucking play. Uh, we're here to play it was part of it, you know, but we are here to play. I mean, to, to, to be fair to every substance, alcohol makes me very good at manifesting, meeting people and, and getting like (laughs) connections with stuff like that. So alcohol and kava are my, are my social networking, uh, medicines. So thank you, alcohol. Yeah. Thank you, alcohol. (laughs) So talking like similar uh, related, uh, thought is that what I experience on kava feels like, um, feels a little bit like being drunk but without being uh in like what's the word like you're still coherent yeah you're not yeah yeah you're not like inebriated into the point of like your body is given that like that smoothness not like that mellowing out without being inebriated Mm. sounds like i need some kava since i don't do the alcohol thing yeah 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 that's a good that's a good uh in place of alcohol 
kava is a good take. Yeah. Yeah. It's anti-inflammatory too. And so you're not going to have any sort of hangover. You'll just probably have to pee a lot. <laughs> Give it to the earth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> she wants it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Steve, this has been exactly what I needed today. We're at two hours, so we got to, we got to wrap up, but, uh, um, I think that probably I'd like to do uh, Reiki with you. Others might, how, how, how can someone, uh, you know, ring you up or track you down or something like that? Yeah. My, I have a website that you can, you can go to uh, calming vibes, Reiki. And my Facebook page is calming vibes, Reiki with Steve. So those are the two main places that you'll find me. Love it. Okay. Great. Thank you so much yeah. for being vulnerable and sharing all of your stories. I'm sure it will resonate with many people. Yeah. I just want to offer my gratitude to each of you. Like you guys have created a beautiful ceremony. This podcast is it, it just is this beautiful ceremony. Like we get to speak truth with each other and we get to heal together. Yes. And like this is, this is amazing. I love it. Oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for that. Cause we feel it's funny. We feel it when we're doing it and then we just release these into the world and we don't really know kind of where it goes, but like when the, when we're sitting here doing it, it's, it's better than there. I'm not speaking ill of there. It's better than therapy for me. And, um, man, you, yeah, Steve, you, you really, you touched on a lot of uh, good nerves on me today. Like I, I can always, I can always tell when I get like the chills or the, you know, Shalish, you mentioned the, the goosebumps multiple times today. Uh, I've got goosebumps and same. I, I count that as a success when I can get those full body, like, Mm-hmm. Make me feel some kind of way. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Steve, it, it, it exists so we can get people like you on and, you know, talk this because this is going to help a lot of people. So thank you. And I'm excited to see how we can get your voice out there more too with things. So let's chat. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be at the, you'll be at the thing. Well, yeah, you'll be at the revival solstice event. Oh, no. I'm going to be out of town. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to line something else up. Yeah. Hell yeah. It'll happen when it's supposed to happen, but we'll miss you there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys have a blast there. Yeah. It's going to be a blast. All right, all right. guys. Much love. Hey, my, yeah. yeah. Love you all. Love Thank you very much. Hey guys. Thank you so much for listening to Mormons on Mushrooms podcast. We have so much fun recording it. And if you love it, we would absolutely love it. If you could leave a review on wherever you get your podcasts, it would really help our visibility. So more people can listen to it and be enlightened and hear our crazy stories. So thanks again for tuning in. Mm-hmm.